Burning Zozo Written by Kristen Knight Narrated by Nancy Peterson 4.5 Contempt Andy stumbled from the jail and onto the sidewalk. After unlocking her bike from the rack, she just sat on it. She couldn't go home. She couldn't face the reality of what she'd done to her family's future. Shadowed scenes flickered around her in the sunlight with every blink of her eyes. Jenna as a bride, with no father to give her away. Emma wheezing and crying out in the night for a daddy who never comes. Luke, grown and stuck in a dead-end job with dead-end eyes. Liz, gaunt, gray, and alone. Shane, curled up on a metal bunk, the sound of a metal cell door slamming shut. Andy rode to the lacrosse field and searched the parking lot for the black-and-white Cooper. When she didn't find it, she rode into town. As she pumped her bike past the cathedral and onto Palace Avenue, she saw an unlikely car in an unlikely place. Opening the door to K&H, the bells tattled her entry. Andy! Shauna rushed forward with her claws out. Oh, Lossie, we've been so worried about you. She pulled her in for a suffocating hug and then pushed her back. Your mother told us where you're working. Have you lost every last brain cell in your cranium? Don't you know that skinwalker will suck your aura dry as sure as I'm standing up? Suck it dry. Have you been feeling extra tired lately? She pressed the back of her hand to Andy's forehead. Has he changed form in front of you yet? No, never mind. You wouldn't be standing here if he had. She paused, peering at her. Good gravity, sis. What did you do to your hair? Andy pried herself from Shauna's grip and turned to the tall blonde leaning on the counter. Chris, what are you doing here? Oh, that's nice. You two know each other, Bree said. You make a cute couple. We're not a couple, they answered in unison. Well, you should be. Bree turned and gazed back out the window. You fit together like coffee and cream. So what are you doing here? Andy repeated. He held up the rosary. I came to get the cross soldered to the chain, so it won't fall again. Honey, where's your accent from? It's just delicious, Shauna said. He's from Russia, Vicky said flatly. Hello, Belikov? Is that true, young man? No wonder you remind me of Omar Sharif. Omar Sharif was Arabic. He just played a Russian in Dr. Zhivago, said Vicky. Born in Egypt, I think. She clicked her keyboard. Checking. Yes, ma'am. I'm Russian by birth. American at heart. I need to talk to you when you have a minute, Andy said quietly to Chris. Tell you something. Okay, I'll call you, Chris said. He'll call you, Bree echoed sweetly. Shauna kept at it. You're sure you don't want to take out our Andy girl? She's a sweetie pea. 
And if her mother could get her to take off those glasses, you'd see the spark of real beauty in her. She winked twice. Shauna, he's going to be a priest, Andy said briskly. Leave him alone. You're dating a priest? Bree asked, swinging her body away from the window. That's so romantic, like that Richard Chamberlain movie. What was it? Thornbirds, Vicky and Shauna sing song together. Andy's brow twisted. What? No, that's not romantic and not what I said. A long buried wave of frustration and fear crested behind her words. And Arius Adams is not a skinwalker, and burning dried sage will not keep the freaking boogeyman away. There are bigger problems in the world than what color my aura is today, or whether or not I'm wearing glasses. Got it? Get real for once in your ever-loving lives and stay out of everyone else's business. Shauna, Vicky, and Bree stood speechless, wide-eyed, and even wider-mouthed. Andy groaned, spun, bumped into a cowhide ottoman and bolted to the door. Swinging it wide, she bashed into a small woman with black hair and a crisp blue shirt, claim check in hand. Andy, said Gretchen, I didn't see you there. Seriously? she shouted, pushed past Gretchen onto the sidewalk and grabbed her bike. She pedaled as fast as she could, going anywhere. She didn't stop for red lights or signal her turns. She just rode. Then halfway down Cerrios, in front of Jackalope Decor, a car sidled up. She waved it away without looking. It honked. She looked. It was Chris. She slowed to a stop. He pulled over, got out of the car, and stood in the gutter. She dropped her bike where she stood, looked at him for a moment, stuttered out, I did it. It's my fault. It was me. Then she started to sob. The scary kind. The I'm drowning in cold water and can't get out kind. Chris just stood in the street waiting, instinctively knowing that if Andy wanted him to touch her, she would let him know. Drivers gawked and shop owners came out to see what was going on, Chris just waved them off and let Andy cry. Finally, when the sobs wound down, she lifted her arms to him. Chris stepped forward and held her. Then, once she was quiet enough and her breathing more steady, he whispered in her ear, What happened, Lapushka? That night, after writing a letter to her father, then one to Chris, Andy started a third that began, Dear Shauna, Vicky, and Bree, I'm sorry for how I treated you today. You didn't deserve it. For the record, I'd like you to know that you are all welcome to read my aura at any time, should you feel the need. When she was done writing her feelings down in logical order, in hard copy, making them deposition real, she walked to the mailbox and dropped in two of the three letters. 4.6. Mark. The next morning, 
Rand woke after only 15 minutes of sleep. He took a cold shower and ate what he could of a plate of warm eggs and salsa. His tools for the day sat next to him on the kitchen counter in a nylon messenger bag. The knife, the case, the scissors. He counted the items as he rolled through the plan in his mind. Over and over and over again. He'd already spent half of the night running the plan, and the other half hoping she would call in sick. She was just a kid. He was coming out of service entrance three with a new set of windshield wipers in one hand and a coffee in the other when he ran into her. He stopped and stared. He noticed a pretty design had been drawn on her hand, like his nine-year-old daughter often did. He tried to slow his shallow breath as a crown of sweat prickled through his shaved scalp. Hi, she said flatly. Hi, he rasped. Do you mind, she said and pointed at the door. No, sorry. He moved out of the way and held the door for her with his elbow. As the door closed behind her, Rand hurried to the garage sink, set down the wipers, leaned over the basin, and threw up. Inside, the house was deathly still. Curtains were drawn, and every door closed. Even the cheery kitchen was shrouded in blackout blinds, like there was some kind of World War II air raid in progress. Aside from Andy's footsteps echoing in the empty hallway, the only sound she could hear was the air conditioner, turned up to full. Pushing through the arteries of the house, the cold air sounded like a woman crying, and she was inconsolable. Andy shuddered, then began searching the house for Chen, her voice echoing his name in the cavernous space. He was nowhere to be found, so she grabbed her walkie. Mr. Chen, she said. No response. No soft static, either. She flipped it over. A vacant screen stared back at her. Great, I forgot to charge it. Chen was also missing from the garden and garages. So was the gardening staff, who was never gone. Back in the house, Andy tried the only remaining possibility. She went to the elevator and pressed B for the basement. Amazingly, the box moved. The elevator opened onto a long hallway flanked with heavy metal doors. The door at the far end was bright scarlet with the words Danger and Incinerator painted in bold black. Andy moved into the metal canyon, passing door after gunmetal door, calculating how many millions of dollars worth of artifacts could be hidden behind them. Each door had a touchpad with a red light glowing above and a handle below that sat parallel to the floor. Mr. Chen, she called out. Are you down here? Hello? Her voice echoed over and over against the steel walls. Then she passed a door that looked different. A cool green light glowed above the keypad 
and the handle pointed down. She opened the door. Inside was a carved stone table on a solid base. Chunks of hair attached to squares of leather hung from the ceiling. Hundreds of them, maybe thousands. Black, brown, gray, curly, straight. It looked like the inventory for a wig shop. Some kind of incense was burning, and the smell was so strong, so putrid that Andy had to hold her nose. Behind the table hung a television showing a world map covered in colored dots. Chen stood at the table, his hands on a wooden triangle. His eyes were closed, and he was speaking Chinese. A pen and notebook rested nearby. Symbols were carved into the table in rows. They looked like some mix of hieroglyphics and Greek letters mingled in with stars and a moon. Excuse me, Mr. Chen, Andy said quietly. His eyes flew open. Andy, how did you get down here? You can't be in here. He quickly stashed the wooden triangle in a nearby drawer and tucked the notebook in his shirt. I couldn't find you, and I didn't know where you wanted me to start today. My walkie's out of juice. Go upstairs to the office. Now. I'll meet you in a minute. He followed Andy to the door and slammed it shut behind her. The lock light turned scarlet, and the handle flipped up. After sitting on her hands for several minutes to keep them calm, Andy rose and began inspecting the office for dust, a new occupational habit. Everything was neatly in its place and the dust level low. The only thing that needed a maid's touch was an appointment book flopped open on the desk, a Mont Blanc pen, and one of Arius's Omega watches sat on an open page. She moved them and turned the book to read it. Nearly every date included a moon phase image and list of appointments. But that day's date, August 20th, was clear of writing, except for an inky circle around the words red, grain, moon. His birthday? She wondered aloud. And is this a gift? She picked up the gorgeous timepiece, one of many that Arius owned. It was heavy and cold in her hand. The cost of the watch would pay Emma's hospital bill ten times over and make a dent in her father's attorney's fees. Andy gazed up at the ceiling, checking for cameras. Clear. Then she stood still, listening for Chen's brisk footfalls. Only quiet. She folded the watch small enough to fit in her front jeans pocket, then just looked at it, debating. Seconds later, Chen's tight footsteps sounded in the hall. She set the watch back on the desk and scurried to the couch. He entered, looking harried, then closed the door. I want you to tell me everything you saw in the vault, Andy. I need to know in detail. I, uh, saw the hair pieces. What are they for? They're artifacts. Scalps. 
But it's illegal to sell scalps. They're not for sale. Chen fidgeted with his jade earcuff. What else did you see? Just the table and that wooden thing your hands were on. Chen rose and began pacing, the heels of his shoes hard and heavy on the floor. Oh, Andy. There's a reason you're not allowed in the vaults. If Arius knew you were down there, he would be irate. He wiped sweat from his lip and brow. Are you going to tell him? Chen sat beside her on the couch and pressed his palms together. I'd like to propose a deal. I won't say a word about you being in the vaults. If you won't tell him you were there or what you saw. Especially that I was in that room at that table. Okay. But why? I can't tell you. No, I won't tell you. It's not safe for you to know. So that just makes me want to ask more questions. Not this time. You're going to have to bury your curiosity and trust me on this. I know that's hard for you. But if you can't do that, I'm going to have to let you go. Let me fire you. Andy held still for several moments and finally said, Okay, I can do that. Good, good. Chen's shoulders relaxed and his eyes softened, familiar regret blossoming in his chest. I want you to know that you've been a good worker, Andy. I've enjoyed working with you. You seem like a good person. He touched her shoulder. I'll miss you when you leave for college. Thank you, Mr. Chen. She hesitated, wondering how to respond to this strange new sentiment. I enjoy working with you, too. He nodded, looked away from her for a moment, then cleared his throat and picked up a file. Mr. Adams would like you to help with some contract work today, he said. Come sit here. He gestured to the seat beside an open laptop. Andy sat at the desk. He'd like you to review three real estate deals that are up for renegotiation. The contracts are in this folder. This one, he pointed to the folder marked Idaho. He's considering selling and needs the contracts updated with the names of the new parties. Can you do that? Absolutely. Andy reached for the mouse. Chen grabbed her hand. What is this? A henna tattoo. Andy suddenly remembered the no tattoos rule. Oh, it's not permanent. Good. Scrub it off today before Mr. Adams sees it. She opened her mouth to explain that would be impossible when Chen added, And please don't say anything to Rand either about the basement, okay? Yes, sir, she said, and got to work. Arius had worked lucrative deals on three properties, one in Catalina, California, another in Key West, Florida, and the third in the mountains of McCall, Idaho. The owners had all been in bankruptcy when he bought, so he got the houses for well below market value. 
The files said that he'd actually lived in each of them for a year, then rented them out. He's a nomad, she muttered. So how long before he leaves Santa Fe? And me? Chen met Arius in the hallway. Is Rand ready? Arius asked. Chen nodded. He knows the process. How's his mental state? He'll get it done. He knows he has no other choice. Arius rubbed his hands together. Good, because I'm fighting the heat already. And Andy, is she... She's in your office, Chen said, his voice tired. Andy wasn't sure how long the watcher had been standing in the dark when the AC finally quieted and the sound of heavy breathing came through the door. She held still, as still as the murky silhouette standing just beyond the light of her laptop. Her heart flywheeled faster and faster the longer he didn't move. After reading the same sentence six times, she finally thought, This is ridiculous. Just look and lifted her eyes. It was Arius. Oh my gosh, she grabbed her chest. You scared me to death. How long have you been standing there? A while, he said slowly, not moving from the shadows, watching my protege at work. I saw the chopper was gone, so I assumed you were away. Just landed, he said. Did Chen show you how to access the documents? I'm reviewing the Idaho contract now. Good. He finally moved into the lit room, sat on the couch, crossed his feet on the coffee table and leaned back. You know, Idaho is quite exquisite. It has an innocence you don't really find much anymore in this world. Pristine, untouched forests. Rivers full of eager trout, young, ragged rockies, much bigger than the Sangres. How many places have you lived? Too many to count. I have a map somewhere that lists them all. Where did you grow up? Well, I was born in East Africa. He spoke slowly and wore a coy smile like he was holding back a surprise from her. I spent my formative years in Israel and Egypt, then went to university in England. That's where I learned English. Andy rested her chin in her hand, ready to listen. I started my first business when I was only... Arius's eyes locked on Andy's hand and his lips parted. Andy, what is that? She stretched out her fingers. Um, it's a henna tattoo. Don't worry, it's temporary. Arius glared. How temporary? They said it will wear off in about six weeks. I know you have a rule, but I thought since it wasn't per- Six weeks? The words iced over as they left his mouth. I can try to use lemon juice to get it off sooner. His nostrils flared. How much sooner? Four weeks, she said quietly. 
maybe? Arius's hands balled into fists. Then he rose slowly, turned, picked up a nearby vase and threw it hard against the wall above her head. The shout that came out of him as the vase exploded against the mahogany wall was inhuman. Andy fell to her knees and covered her head as blue and white china rained down around her. Chen rushed in. Did you know about this? Arius shouted, pointing at her arm. Did you see? He raged. She said it was temporary. She won't be clean for six weeks, Chen. Six! All our work for bloody nothing! Then Arius pushed the laptop and everything on the desk to the floor. Andy scooted back against the wall, trembling. Chen grabbed his arm and said, Stop. Arius, calm down. Arius yanked his arm away. Don't you ever tell me to calm down, Chen. You don't know what it's like for me, and you never will. You're right, I don't. But just think about it. We can still do this. She can still work. We'll just make her a rider. If not this year, then next. That's the whole point. There isn't supposed to be a next year. You're right. You're right. But you said it yourself after Vegas. She could be a contingency. Chen said as calmly as he could. Panting, Arius glared at Chen. I'm not sure. I don't think she's equipped for that. She's in deeper than most. It's at least worth trying to salvage the asset, right? It will keep her in our pocket. And time is up. At this point, what have you got to lose? Blood was pounding so hard in Andy's ears that she only heard half the words being said and understood even less. Arius stood, thinking, eyes fierce. I don't know if I can handle waiting to find out. Not after all this time. You just have to fix this, Chen. Get her out of here and fix this. Chen worked his way over to Andy as she quivered behind the desk. The tiny dragon on his earcuff looked huge and hungry with Arius pacing behind it. You can go for the day, Chen said. Mr. Adams isn't feeling well. Running out into the hallway, Andy crashed into a mass of muscle and sweat. Sorry, where are you... Are you leaving? Panic ricocheted between Rand's words. Chen told me to go, she mumbled, then bolted towards service entrance, too. As she did, she heard Rand's deep voice bellowing Chen's name behind her. She stumbled through the service entrance and into the warm Santa Fe sun. Too flustered, she didn't see the black plastic liner that covered the entryway floor, or the latex gloves, mop, and red rain boots tucked expectantly in the corner.